0: Tapping the Keg Daily is live for Friday. It is December 1st. We're gonna talk about the Marquette-Wisconsin rivalry and then some quick hitters on the Bucks' bad loss to the Chicago Bulls and betting lines for Packers Chiefs. What direction should you go? We will get into all of that before we get going you can make sure to follow us on social media, TabbyTheKag on Twitter, Tabby the Keg Sports on Instagram, as well as TikTok. We're also on Facebook under that same handle. Uh, make sure that you are subscribed if you are already or not, if you came in from social media. Uh, we're on Apple, we're on Spotify, wherever else you get your podcast, four days a week uh, for those newbies that are there. Uh, I did not see many or at all Spotify raps. Uh, that's okay. Uh, we got to get better. We got to get Spotify wraps uh, and tapping the Keg, the loyal listeners. Um, and if one of you are, I will definitely compensate you in some in some fashion. So uh, if you can show me a screenshot, uh, that would be great, and we'll uh, we'll get into it. But I, I appreciate all the love and support, regardless. Uh, I don't need the the validation. Of a Spotify rap or a 30 under 30, even though I'm not 30. So <laughs> that, that doesn't work. But no, seriously, I uh, appreciate all y'all uh, before the end of the year, which should be a really fun end of the 2023 year. And one of the major December sort of tentpole events uh, in Wisconsin sports is the Marquette Wisconsin rivalry. It is now played every first Saturday in December. There was a weird year where they played on a Sunday, Um, but most of the time it is always on this first Saturday in December. And I think that makes the rivalry special. I think there's something to that, something, you know, just good about that. Like that college sports have had so much sort of trip, you know, trials and tribulations through the last couple of years that the fact that every first Saturday in December, we know Marquette and Wisconsin are playing against each other. And it is a massive game for a variety of reasons that we are gonna get into. But I I think from the 5,000 mile view for Wisconsin, it's a top five team coming into Madison, a a non-conference game, an opportunity for Wisconsin to get a true resume win out the door, and having Marquette at their home gym. For Marquette, it's weirdly the last thing to check off on their checklist of all the things that they have done for the last couple of years. They've won the Big East. They won the Big East tournament. They won an NCAA tournament game. Now, yeah, they lost to Michigan State, and you could argue maybe the Sweet 16 is still on that checklist, but they haven't beat Wisconsin. This group of guys has not beat Wisconsin. The last time the Marquette beat Wisconsin was 2020 in the Justin Lewis tippet 2021 Marquette got absolutely crushed uh, in Madison. 2022 it was the dramatic game of last year where it went down to the wire, where before we really knew what Marquette was, right? We we had seen the Baylor game a couple days prior. Everyone was like, Marquette's a wagon. And there was a little bit of a hangover weirdly after that Baylor game because they were so good. And I was at that game and I swear to God, I've never seen a basketball team play as well as Marquette did against Baylor. It was just otherworldly shit. And they had a bit of a hangover. Wisconsin got out early. And Marquette did their damnedest to come back, their best uh, 2023-2024 Milwaukee Bucks impression, and nearly won that game. They forced overtime. Uh, Wisconsin would go on to win. And I never saw Chucky Hepburn have as good of a game as he did on that Saturday at mid-afternoon evening. So you have Marquette's angle of, even though they are the quote-unquote hunted, they still want to, win this game like this just because yes it's a rivalry game. yes it it matters in the state of wisconsin even though some people like both teams which we can get into at the end of this i think that this is just so important to Marquette season and i hope that they do not you know come in tight right that they're thinking about this that they play that same sort of loose demeanor that they had against kansas where they put the vice grips on, on Wisconsin early on defensively. They make good shots. They're efficient out there. They're not forcing three-pointers. They're not kind of, it's kind of clogging. You know, it, it basically looks like a toilet clog, what we saw in that first half against UCLA. I, I hope that Marquette, you know, comes out there and takes the crowd head-on. I think the fact that they played against Illinois is going to help that was a raucous clock crowd. I think it's going to be even more rowdy on Saturday. Uh, but I, I do think that that adds, they at least have that sort of background knowledge. They This isn't their first true road game, which I think is a crucial thing, right? Like we saw Duke go into Budwalton Arena in Arkansas and that was Duke's first true road game. Now Duke's a lot younger than Marquette, but still like, I do think like that first getting that first true road game under your breath, under your belt, hearing the student section call you a motherfucker, the whole thing. Like I think it really does benefit you, and so yes, these two teams have a ton to play for. And Marquette, if they do not beat Wisconsin, this will be the first Marquette team since 1998 to 2000 to lose three straight times to Wisconsin, which is. Kind of absurd, considering that Wisconsin has had some really successful runs. Um, So did did Marquette, but I feel like, you know, Wisconsin has been more consistent throughout the last, since that time frame, than Marquette. And I I don't think that's unfair to say. And even I think the most biased Marquette fan would say the same thing. You know, I, I know they probably don't want to say anything nice about the Badgers, but let's be real here. So the fact that even it, with all that consistency, they never beat Marquette three straight times and Wisconsin can do it here. And you could argue that this is probably the worst like stretch for Wisconsin in a long time, right? So it's kind of wild. Like, is it just they get up for these games and this is the one they get up for the most? Or is it something else? Or they get figured out later in the year when there's more tape? I don't I don't know, Um, but I, I do know that this game, there's a lot of angles of revenge for Marquette and Marquette would love nothing more than to blow out Wisconsin in Madison, which hasn't happened in, a, I think since, was that 2015 where Marquette won by like 20 in Madison. Like that was the last, no, that can't be right. I have, the, I did have the rivalry up and I was looking through because I was looking for that third one. It might've been 2015. No, Marquette did win in Madison. That was the Henry Allenson. It was 2017, pardon me, when they won 82 to 63. Um, So I had my, I was was one off. That was the last time Marquette won at the call center. And so you have this game where Wisconsin has looked good so far, right? They got beat down by Tennessee. Tennessee absolutely owned them inside the paint. Um, But Tennessee one of the better teams in college basketball. I know they lost to North Carolina. I know they lost to Kansas, but they're a pretty solid basketball team. And, but so is Marquette. And so I, I think the real question to kind of kick off, sort of as we get into the details of this game, is how good is Wisconsin, right? Is Wisconsin in that same tier as Tennessee, Marquette, uh, or are they in a tier below? And are really they're more of a five seed at best to like a nine or 10 seed at worst. And when they step up against the big boys, they're gonna kind of get batted on their nose and they're gonna lose that, and they're gonna lose those bas- basketball games more often than not. And they're more, you know, they'll take care of business against sort of those Virginia-like teams, but when it comes up to a step up in competition, they can't compete with that. I think that's one thing that I'm, I'm very curious for Wisconsin. Like are they, are they ready to go 40 minutes with Marquette? You know, because they weren't ready to go 40 minutes with Tennessee. Tennessee kind of wiped them off the floor. And I I realized, you know, Badger fan would tell me, hey, it's game two, right? Like, we, you know, we still were figuring out our rotations. We're still figuring out what our team was. And, you know, they have a much better understanding. If we played Tennessee this Saturday, I think we'd be more successful against them. I'm sure that's the spin I would get from Badger fans. But sometimes you're just not as talented as the team you're playing on the other side, side of the basket. And so that's where I'm wondering, like, is that the case with Marquette? Because I think Marquette's better than Tennessee. So if Tennessee was able to own that game, what's to say Marquette can't do the same? And I, I realize it's a rivalry game that, that adds an element, but I, I just wonder, is Marquette just gonna come in there and actually win by 10 plus? And would that be a surprise? I think it would be just from the demons that exist in this rivalry, right? I don't think that anyone expects to win by you know, 10, 20, whatever it may be, right? This is, it's not that kind of rivalry. It's always usually pretty damn close. Like even when Marquette or Wisconsin Pardon me was eighth in the nation, or they, were, they won that game by six points. And then in 2014, they were second and a very, very good team. Marquette was not good that year. And it was it was a slog of a game, 49 to 38, but it was an absolute dogfight. Like that was an absolute dogfight and Marquette made it hard to, to make any sort of basket. So like, even though like that was not, that you know, wasn't exactly the case. Like they, they made it extremely difficult, even though those teams were not good. Those Marquette teams under Buzz Williams were not great. And I think, it was Wojo on that last, that next one? Yeah, that was Wojo's first year. One of the worst Marquette teams we've seen. And still, like, those games were close. So it's that, yeah, I know I'm kind of arguing with myself here, but I'm just saying, like, yeah, we can look at that Tennessee game and have that as sort of our North Star, but we also have to just look at the history that it just always seems to be close. So let's kind of dive into a little bit more of sort of the game itself, right? Let's let's kind of move on to that. And I, I really wonder, you know, what Tyler Kolick and also Iguodaro are thinking about heading into this game. They both did not play well against Wisconsin last year. Uh, it was a rough game for both guys. Tyler Kolick, arguably one of his worst games, you know, in his unbelievable 2022-2023 season. Uh, He had six points overall. He was 2-7 of from the field. He did have eight assists, but he also had five turnovers. Um, He only got the free throw line twice. Um, It was a really rough day for Tyler Kolick. And I do wonder if that is sitting in the back of his head. He came into Illinois and Champaign and was absolutely fearless and Loves, you know, sort of the vitriol and the heat of the crowd. He's had some great performances on the road. So I think he's going to relish, you know, the Madison faithful screaming at him all game long. Oso Yadara also did not play well in that game. He had nine points. He was four or six from the field. He missed three free throws, only pulled down five rebounds. Uh, he wasn't even in foul trouble. Like he played 39 minutes and Oso was a complete non-factor in that game. And I think what Oso Iguodaro is now versus what he was in December of last year is night and day. And that could be one of the key differences for this game. Because you got guys like Steven Kroll who and Tyler Wall who are bigger guys. Wall, same size as Iguodaro. But Wall and Crowell cannot move like Oso Iguodaro. And that, to me, is, is a huge advantage that... If you get those guys out of the paint and you force them to go out with Oso, he is going to take them off the dribble every fucking time, and I just don't know how they keep up from a defensive perspective with Igudaro. I think Igudaro could have a massive game in this one. Like I, I really do. I, I think he is a completely an X factor. I think that that he he already was because he's been one of. Marquette's best players. But I think in this matchup specifically, I think they can really take advantage of the lack of lateral quickness from the Wisconsin big men. And so I think Oso can have a massive game in this one. And as for Kolik, I think that he just, you know, needs, as we said, play within himself. Like, you know, think about what it was like against Illinois. Same sort of mentality. Don't try to do too much and let the game come to you. And if you're being, you know, really heavily guarded, what we've seen, what we saw in Maui a couple of times, right? Let Oso cook, let Cam Jones cook. Cam Jones had a massive game against Wisconsin last year. And Cam Jones, could have that opportunity again, right? And he, he's been so good this season. We talked about it a few times on this podcast how Cam Jones, as well as Iguidara's playing, as well as Cole playing, I would say if you had to rank it right now, honestly, you'd probably say it's Iguidara, Jones, either or you could interchange and then Kohlick. So, like, they you can't, don't sleep on the Cam Jones angle either. Another thing that I'm, you know, wondering about is Wisconsin's poor three point defense and how does that affect the matchup with Marquette? Now, Marquette is not exactly the best three-point shooting team. They don't exactly you know, go off the page so far, but they do shoot a lot of three-pointers. Uh, according to Kempom, point distribution, uh, Marquette is 155th in three-pointers and Wisconsin gives up 145. 45. Wisconsin protects the paint and Marquette does try to get to the paint. They actually get to the paint more often than than not. But there's going to be opportunities to shoot the three. Wisconsin's also 272nd in terms of three point percentage so far this season. So that the area of opportunity is very much there for Marquette to shoot threes. Now they can't fall in love with them. You don't want what we saw against UCLA, right? Like that, that that's what we want to avoid. We don't want to see just a a abundance of threes and not attacking the paint. I still think they can attack the paint. They can figure out ways to get easy buckets, even though uh, Wisconsin does, you know, try to protect and protect the paint as well. And Wisconsin's really where they give up the most points is free throws and Marquette right now, so far 301 in terms of their point distribution. So they're not exactly getting to the line. So that actually works against Marquette. But the three point part is a really key thing to, to hone in on. Like it could be a big Dave Joplin game. Uh, I would not sleep on that. I think Joplin could easily have himself a night. And, and that could be, you know, the difference maker is Joplin hits three or four threes and pulls Marquette away in the victory because the Badgers don't really, don't really defend the three that well so far this season. And the other part of it that would be concerning if I was a Wisconsin fan is Marquette at, wants you to shoot threes. They they are welcoming the opportunity to shoot threes, but Wisconsin's not knocking them down. They are only shooting threes. They're, they're 307th in terms of their three-point shooting. They are taking everything to the paint or getting to the free throw line. Marquette does not foul. has not been putting guys at the line. They're 318 in terms of free throws. So and that's out of like 366. So I I do see like the clash of contrasts, right? Like which contrast will win out? And hitting three pointers on the road is it can be a tall task, right? And you know the cool center rims are not it's seemingly not friendly for any road team. It doesn't seem like they're ever friendly. So it, that's that's a real sort of question there. And will Wisconsin try to drag? Marquette down into the muck. Marquette does play a lot of long defensive possessions. They're actually, their possession length is one of the longest in college basketball. And Wisconsin's offensive possession length is one of the longest in college basketball. So that would tell you, hey, maybe it's an under situation, but Marquette plays extremely fast in terms of their offense. They're eighth in the nation. Like UCLA and Marquette played, it was about 140 was where the total finished out, which is kind of where Ken Palm's projecting. I I don't see it in the 60s. I Marquette has got to 70 in each of their games, even in their loss against Purdue. I also don't see it. I don't see 80. Um, they put up 80 on Wisconsin. I I mean I'm thrilled, right? Similar to Tennessee, but I, I do think that they can they can you know win this game. I don't want to say easily, but I do think that they the advantages are with Marquette. I I don't know if there's anything in Wisconsin that worries me besides offensive rebounding. That's the only thing that scares me. Wisconsin's doing a great job at offensive rebounding, and they're doing a great job preventing offensive rebounding. Marquette's biggest bugaboo for the last year plus has been the fact, they're not good on the glass. Now I know Ben Gold, you know, has looked good in spurts. Al Amadou is a guy that I think the bandwagon is building for, but I don't know if you're gonna see Al Amadou in this game. I, I wouldn't I wouldn't hate it in like the hey, it's nine-minute mark. We know we have a TV timeout coming up. Like have Al Amadou come up in there and get two or three fouls. He also has a name, by the way, that you just don't say one. You don't call him Amadou. You call him Al Amadou. Like, it's just a full name guy. Or I, I, maybe at some point you do Big Al, but I feel like Al is always Al, Al McGuire. But anyways, it doesn't matter. But I, I I do wonder, will you learn some lessons from Zach Eady, right? Stephen Carl's big dude, six, seven foot. Uh, you have Tyler Wall at 6'9". Like, Wisconsin has a little more size on... Marquette. And that, you know, can work against, against, you know, the Golden Eagles. And will, you know, how do they adjust based on what they did against Purdue? That, that's fascinating to me because it's like, okay, do you learn your lesson or do you kind of just stick with what you've been doing? And which, look, it, it, it was against Purdue, you were one half court shot away from being tied and heading into overtime. Uh, we haven't talked much about some of the new additions for Wisconsin. AJ Store, who's a transfer in from St. John's, six-seven kid out of Rockford, Illinois. AJ Storr did play Marquette last year. Uh, he actually had a pretty solid. He had nine points. I was guys, I, I thought he had more. Felt like he had more against uh, Marquette, but he he only had nine points. He did at, He did only had three when he placed the Golden Eagles. Uh, in on March fourth and then six against Marquette on March 9th. He has actually not played well against Marquette. Uh his, his number is the last two games, he was O of what is he, one of six, and then he was one of eleven uh in the Madison Square Garden game. So AJ Store might have a little bit of revenge, but Marquette has a book on AJ Store. Like they know they played against AJ Store. That that not a lot of teams can say that. I and he's been right now one of the best players for Wisconsin. I think that's a huge advantage for Marquette. I think that is a sneaky thing that I, I don't know how many people are talking about that or thinking about that heading into this game. Is that yeah we've played AJ Store. We saw him three times last year. They have so much tape on AJ Store. Now you can say oh it's different different offense all yada yada but. You at least know like what his sort of tendencies are. And I, I think that really works to Marquette's advantage. So I could see Store getting slowed. John Blackwell, really good player off the bench for Wisconsin. He's, you know, sort of made his inroads as a freshman coming in and really putting together some nice performances against good teams, right? Like he had 10 points against Virginia. He had 10 points against SMU. He he did not or he played he played nine minutes against Tennessee 11 against Providence, you know, in the loss. So he's he's playing a decent amount of minutes and kind of really showing himself as a pseudo six man for Wisconsin. Definitely a guy to keep your eye on that could you know impact this game off the bench. I think the benches will be key, and what does Wisconsin's bench bring to the table versus the very talented bench of Marquette? I mean, Marquette's bench. Has been one of the stories of the season so far, with the play of Sean Jones, with the development of Ben Gold, with Chase Ross. Hasn't necessarily having a huge moment yet. Like I don't know, he did. He was what? That was Kansas game. Chase Ross had the. He played well. It's it, sometimes you know they they run together. That Maui thing was a fever dream. But yeah, no, Chase Ross had 12 points in the in that. But it, I, I think that the the benchmark Marquette can. Win, can help win this game. They they helped with Kansas. They you know helped you know bring back Marquette against UCLA. Like the the thing that this Marquette team that I I don't know if everybody realizes is that they're fucking loaded and that they are one to eight, one to nine, and there's really no stopping them. So I'll be I'll be very curious to see you know how Wisconsin deals with that. Are you know? Do they have the bench players, their second unit, to really hang with Marquette? I, I don't, I don't think so. Not from what I've sort of seen and observed from Wisconsin so far. You know, Kamari McGee and Carter Gilmore, and even Noah Winter, the big man, Connor Asijin, who's not playing as much, which is weird because Sejian, I thought was like going to be the next Zach Asser or Zach Schulwalter. And he just he hasn't. Ex- Did I call him Zach Gasser? Um, I meant Josh Gasser. Uh, Josh Gasser, Zach Showalter. They're all they're all the same. They're all Ben Bruss, They're all one body. They're just a white kid from Wisconsin. I was Sejan from Tennessee or no Indiana. Pardon me. But anyways, like it's definitely um, it, it's definitely interesting that he's sort of been limited. He had some moments against Marquette last year, so I, I don't know if maybe it's a break in case of emergency and you see a Sejan playing a few more valuable minutes. Uh, we'll, we'll certainly have to see. But it's going to be a slobber knocker for the first half. I think it's going to be a slobber knocker for the first 30 minutes. I think it'll be close. And then I think Marquette kind of forces their will, and they wear down Wisconsin. And I think they win by seven or eight points. I I, I really I really feel good heading into this game. Um, I just think that Marquette's focused I don't think that they are they are overlooking this game at all. I don't think that they are looking past it because they have Texas on deck on Wednesday. And while that, that matchup is big from the Shaka Smart perspective, that's like a TV thing. I don't know how much the, the players are going to really care about that. I mean, I love Shaka, right? But is that really gonna matter? Like, I don't think that they're gonna overlook Wisconsin for Texas is basically what I'm saying. And I I think, I feel good. And I feel like there are enough sort of angles that I can see Marquette winning this basketball game. The only thing that scares me is if they start slow again, you know, can you get consumed by that crowd? Or if you start slow out the gates in the second half, can you get consumed by that crowd? You saw that in the Arkansas-Duke game, right? Where that game was close heading into halftime and then Arkansas absolutely laid the hammer down on him and there was no looking back for the Dukies in that arena and I again Marquette's a little more composed but I, I just wonder if that that sort of same thing happens like you just don't want it I'll also say this it'll be very interesting to see I don't want to see Wisconsin win um and despite what some might think because I was called a Badger fan earlier this week um I, it'll be interesting to see if they rush the court They probably will. They were to beat beat Marquette. Marquette's number three in the nation. Yeah, I would assume you'd rush, Um, but it, it would kind of take away from like, oh, this is not a rivalry to us, right? Like, that's that's always the thing that gets you know the true Marquette fans annoyed is that a lot of Wisconsin fans act like this isn't a rivalry, which is fucking bullshit. I mean, it it just is. And yes, there are people in this state that cheer for both teams. And there are people that want to gatekeep and say, "Oh, if you cheer for Badger football, or if you you at least observe Badger football, like suddenly you're a Badger fan." That's not the case. Like if we really wanted to get in the weeds on it, it, it that that pissed me off, and I was mad that he didn't respond because I was like, "Lol, what?" And then he didn't respond, which is, you know, Uncle D, I, I expected a response, buddy. Like I, I wanted to talk it out because honestly, uh what it is is I I run a podcast I I'm not gonna not talk about college football and I I definitely want to give a POV about the Badgers and I I don't do reviews anymore because I they felt inauthentic uh I just was like you know what like I can't can't necessarily do these anymore um so and and this my buddies are always like oh you can never work for Barstool because you just have too thin a skin I don't think I have too thin of skin. I think sometimes when things irk me and I don't get resolution, that's where I, I keep coming back to it because I'm like, I just want to know why you said this and, and I didn't get a response. So yeah, the DMs are open. If you don't want to you know, engage in a Twitter conversation, DMs are wide open. We can talk about it. I can kind of run you through kind of how this podcasting thing works. But anyways, Yes, it, it will be. Cur- I'll be curious if they would rush the floor if they beat Marquette. Um, and if Marquette loses, like, yeah, that's that is kind of a. It's like a small ding on Chaka Smart, right? It's like, yeah, but you can't beat Wisconsin. <laughs> like, it's the Big East is more important. What you do against Big East is so much more important than this game. And I know you say, well, that's coping, whatever. No, it isn't. It, that's just facts. I, if if you want to win this game over winning a Big Ten title or winning a Big East title, you're out of your fucking mind. So I, I, it's just a ding, right? It's like, well, let's we got to beat them one of these times. Like you, you can't keep losing to them, and like that's you just can't have that hanging over your head. So I, I do wonder if there's going to be this, you know, kind of Marquette all hands on deck, and they just wipe the floor. I, I, I would be shocked if it happened just because it's we're not accustomed to it. But I, I will say that this Marquette team surprises you time and time again. I look forward to the game. I look forward to talking shit about the Badgers. I don't usually talk too much shit about Wisconsin because, again, I have people who follow me who, follow, who are Badger fans. So I, I try to keep a Inclusive group altogether of Wisconsin sports fans, in and in my weird fandom, which doesn't include Badger basketball, which for a lot of people it does. So that's that's kind of how we do it. But this day only, I'm gonna be a prick. I'm gonna be a motherfucker. Okay, I, I don't know how much I will I will be, but yeah, the review will be spicy if Marquette wins. I will tell you that. Also, because I'll be drinking starting at nine thirty on Saturday, so like I will be in my cups by one thirty. Like by the end of the game, win or lose, I am in my cups, and we'll just sort of see how it all pans out. I, if I give a score, let's see. I will say Marquette seventy-seven, Wisconsin sixty-six. That's where I'll I'll end out. I as I said, I think it's close for the first thirty minutes, and I think Marquette imposes their will at the end. But I can't wait for it. I'm excited for it. Um, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I wish it was a little later in the day. Um, I would have preferred that to be, you know, four o'clock, five o'clock. But I will say that what's nice about it, at least, is you get this, this sets you up, and then you got Alabama, Georgia pretty much right on the heels. You can watch the end of the Big 12 championship game as well. And then you, you know you have your college football the rest of the way so should be an awesome sports day um, and Marquette Wisconsin kicking it all off. All right, let's talk a little bit about the Milwaukee Bucks and the Packer betting lines. I I don't have a ton of time today, unfortunately. I'm I'm actually on a pitch clock, which is shocking. I know for a lot of people you're like you always talk about oh this might be a short show. It's like no, seriously, I am I'm kind of up against it unfortunately. Uh, With the Milwaukee Bucks losing to the Chicago Bulls, it's what we've been talking about for the last few games. They finally fucked around and found out. They finally lost a basketball game that they should have, right? Like the Washington game, which was a dogfight, went back and forth. Either team could have won that game, but probably you shouldn't be in dogfights against Washington. Portland, you're down 26 points. You come all the way back. You win. It's a great win, but... Again, it was Portland and Portland's playing better. I will say that, right? They beat Cleveland, they beat Indiana. Like you gotta at least acknowledge that Portland is playing a little bit better. Again, Bucks shouldn't have been down 26 points. I'm not disputing that, but I am saying like, maybe let's consider Portland's kind of starting to figure it out a little bit, which, you know, that happens with young teams. So that said, This was probably the worst of it all because the Bulls were lifeless. The Bulls looked absolutely dead. There was no Zach Levine. There was no DeMar DeRozan. Neither of those guys played. This should have been an easy win for the Milwaukee Bucks. Yet, you could argue that because you had Kobe White, Alex Caruso, Vucevic, Patrick Williams. You had a bunch of guys that gave a shit. And they didn't really back down from the Bucks. And the lack of depth for the Bucks right now is killing them. And I know we all want to point our fingers at Adrian Griffin, and I have some issues with with AG as well, but their depth is really starting to wane right now. Like Marjon Beauchamp is struggling. He's not necessarily, you know, what we expected. We never really saw the, the leap that I think all of us hoped that he would take. We all thought that, Marjan Beauchamp was ready to kind of ascend to being a solid bench player or at least, you know, even start, you know, later on in the year, right? And maybe phase out Malik Beasley. But Beauchamp did, he did have seven points in this game, played a little bit better, but missed, you know, three of his three point shots, was overall three of seven from the field. Like, not exactly a productive day for Beauchamp at two turnovers. But then you lose Andre Jackson to back tightness. I, uh, pat content didn't play because of an ankle injury jay crowder's out for the foreseeable future that those are three like those are three key contributors and then add to the fact that bobby portis is just completely lost i don't know what's going on with bobby portis he's been an absolute fucking mess and the bucks have like no bench the buck like look at bobby portis's game logs for a second. Can we, can we dive into that? So Bobby Porter's had a really good start to the year. Uh, he had 17 points against Washington on the 20th uh, and eight rebounds. So against Boston, he had four points, eight rebounds. He was two of six from the field. Then against Washington, he had two points, one of five from the field, did pull down six rebounds. Had 12 points against Washington, but he also shot the ball 12 times and had eight rebounds. Five five points against Miami, shooting the ball eight times, mind you. And then tonight, four points, did have nine rebounds, but shot the ball eight fucking times. I, 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 that's not getting it done, man. That that needs to be improved. And these guys are, and the Bucks are playing big ass fucking minutes. You have Giannis playing 39, Brooke played 39, Dame played 43. Dame had 17 points in the first half on I think seven to 10 shots and he makes one point the rest of the game and has seven turnovers overall. He had a couple brutal turnovers down the stretch and then in overtime. So like, we can be mad at Adrian Griffin about not, not following up three, which I want to address in a second here. But this is on the team. Like, this is on the fact that the Bucks don't have any depth right now. Their bench is giving them absolutely fucking nothing. And the guy you're expecting to give you something in Bobby Portis is just a black hole right now. And it, he every time he touches the ball, he thinks it's Bobby Portis time. And then on top of that, you have your one of your best players in Damian Lillard just completely go silent in the second half. If Damian Lillard plays an average second half, the Bucks win this game going away. And Giannis didn't exactly have a great first half, had a good second half. But when you have all these inconsistencies, it's going to lead to what you saw tonight. You saw the Bucks losing. And then you had the f- not following on three, three. And I just, I hate that shit. I, I know that not a lot of teams follow up three, but it, it just makes too much sense, especially in that moment. And I think the frustrating thing for me about Adrian Griffin so far, I'm going to be critical. Yeah. For, for those who say, I haven't heard it from a lot of people, but I'm more on the side of let's give him a chance. But I, I will be critical on this. I don't think he has exactly the best feel sometimes. Like that was a moment to foul because everybody was winded. Everybody was out. Like, and, and then you saw it in overtime. Brooke, short three. Damn short three. Like, They were struggling to get that ball in the basket. Beasley, I think, had a short three as well. So like, they needed to win that game in regulation. And if you foul Caruso in that moment and force him to make the immediate, are you really getting boxed out by Vucevic and Patrick Williams over Giannis and Brooke Lopez? Or they probably would have brought Drummond in, whatever. You shouldn't, you shouldn't, you should win that game. And trust your rebounders. Trust your guys. The Bucks have to start playing four quarters basketball. They can't just keep doing this shit. And you can point to the group play and say, "Well, when the in season tournament, when the chips are down, they've looked great." Yeah, they have. I mean, the Washington game again was a weird one, but I, I wonder if that game is different if they didn't play on fr- on Monday night. So I, you know, it's like is. We'll have to see. Like, if they beat New York and then they play Boston, if they beat Boston, like, what are we gonna say that? Like, there, there's this. Like, we're we're trying to figure out the best version of the Bucks, and I don't think we know that yet. And I think it's frustrating. People, like, I talked about this a little bit one of the days this week about how just we're we're doing a bad job of trying to figure out this basketball team, and it frustrates us like as a collective. And I'm speaking for the fans. That we can't figure it out, and that nobody can sort of sort of see what's there, and and there's just so much newness. I will say, I, I saw my guy Steve Pelly, shout out, great Twitter follow, um, was saying how like, or no, I don't think it was Steve. I think he liked it, and I saw it through my for you page about how someone's like, I just came up with this fan base, and like it sucks, and I agree, like it just sucks, like it's just not fun. I like contemplated right before I potted. I was like, should I just bring back the, the Tabby the Keg website, which I still have? And do I just do a live blog on that? Like Anonymous Eagle, because I think he hates Elon Musk, does that on SB Nation's website. And I like, I wonder, should I just do that? Should I, should I just kind of pivot out and just start live blogging the Bucks game and then just hanging out with people? And, and that's what we do instead. I don't know, man. Uh, might have to, but it's, that was rough. Uh, that was a really rough game. Bucks are still 13 and six. They play their 20th game of the season on Saturday night against Atlanta. Again, Atlanta's a team you've, you've lost to already. Atlanta's been absolute dog shit on the road uh, recently. Should be a win, right? But I don't know if anything's a win right now. I think that's the, that's maybe the, Biggest lesson I talked about lessons on the tapping the keg review today that you can see on Twitter or TikTok, uh, tapping the keg on Twitter, tapping the keg sports on Inst- on uh, on TikTok. Pardon me. I said there were a lot of lessons learned, but maybe the biggest lesson is we can't really trust that the Bucks are going to beat anybody. And I know that that sounds weird, right? Like just take care of business and whatnot. But every game so far has been a roller coaster. So until the Bucks kind of show us that it's not going to be a roller coaster. We gotta kind of take everything with a little bit of a grain of salt. Like they'll be favored by six or seven against Atlanta on Saturday, but that doesn't mean shit. And the Hawks can come in there and, and win that basketball game. And then there you go. Their two game losing streak heading into the in-season tournament. But I, I hope that's not the case. The Bucks get their revenge against the Bulls sooner rather than later. They play them on uh, Monday, December 11th. So after the in-season tournament, they're right back at it against the Bulls. So there is definitely an opportunity uh, to play that team again and to show off against that team. And they, they also, you know, worth noting, you know, after the in season, they have a nice long homestand uh, before heading down on the road for Christmas. So hopefully, hopefully, the Bucks can start stacking some wins, and there could be some continuity. I, I just, I, I think that again, it's like we, we can't always just keep pushing for firing guys. I thought Bart Winkler had a great. Quote today um where because ben thompson you know doing a thing about oh yeah we're still gonna pretend that everything's okay and yada yada uh here's what bart said which i i can't agree with more Discourse around and conversation will be a lot more natural and beneficial to everybody if there wasn't such a push to fire the head coach after 10 games P, too many people went too hard too fast and the whole conversation around him is a disaster i totally agree I totally agree. And that's to me, it's it's definitely there. Um it you know, it's it's definitely there. And and yeah, Griffin, it's been a struggle in certain scenarios and certain, you know, rotations, things like that. Has to get better and and the bucks gotta work with him. And that's not only on you know Griffin himself, but that's on the co- that's on horse, that's on you know, per- player personnel, that's on everybody else to really start working collaboratively to how can you make the best version of this basketball team they're starting out better like they got off to a good start again tonight like how do you continue to say all right how do we roll in our bench guys so that we can keep you know certain guys out on the floor i think that's that's going to be a really big challenge that now it's going to be tested because now you don't have the depth and now you're kind of in this injury period and i i do think we got to like keep that in mind but yeah i I definitely put this one more on the box players than I do the coaches. All right, I said this wasn't gonna be a long podcast. Then we're at 43 minutes. (laughs) I just can't help myself. I I just cannot help myself. All right, I won't do a ton on Packer Chiefs betting lines. Uh, Packers are a five and a half point dog. The over-under is 42 and a half. The money line is sitting at plus 205, meaning... If you were to put 10 bucks on the Green Bay Packers, you'd get back $20.50. Not as big of a money line dog as they were against the Lions, which I think was 280, if I'm not mistaken. Um, it might have been actually 380. It was, I mean, it, they were great odds. Um, I know from personal experience. But anyways, that line to me is too high. And we kind of talked about it yesterday with Mitch, but it's just, it's too high. It. I, I recommend betting the Packers this weekend I think five and a half six is a great spot for for a home team a home dog getting that just it seems a little disrespectful now you could argue well do they know something right is Vegas telling you that look the Chiefs are a better team they're gonna come in there they're gonna wall up the Packers and they're gonna win everybody's teases and everyone's gonna tease them down to basically even and they're gonna win a bunch of money maybe but I just don't see it. Like I I think that the Packers match up well against the Chiefs. I think Rashawn Gary can make things difficult for Patrick Mahomes. I don't know if he's gonna put him in the ground, but he can make things really difficult for Patrick Mahomes. And I think the Packers have an opportunity to seize a moment, and I think they will. Matt LaFleur, 15-0 in December, and has nothing to do with gambling. That just wins, right? That guy knows how to win late in the season. He gets his teams to this point and it's a little Craig temporary. I know we don't want to talk about Craig Council, but it's a little Craig temporary, right? Like, I don't know how, what, what would be the tagline for LaFleur's December? MLF's, I, I don't know. I got to workshop that. We'll we'll take that back uh, to creative and we'll, we'll have something for you on Monday, especially if they win. Uh, but yeah, it's you can't discount that. You can't discount the Chiefs playing the back-to-back road game after being in Vegas like that. That stuff matters, and I think that the Packers have a real shot. And I think they are a live dog. I don't. I don't even. I think you should take the five and a half. Be conservative, you know, just in case they lose. But I think you take the money line too. I think Packers can win this game outright. I, I just I think that they are peaking at the right time. And I think while the Chiefs look good against the Raiders, a lot of teams look good against the Raiders, right? Like that's not hard to do. And so, are we sure that the Chiefs have suddenly fixed themselves? I don't know. And it'll be it'll be interesting to see how many guys play. It sounds like you're going to get Alexander back. I think Savage will be back. But I'll and I'll also be curious if how they'll move around Savage, right? would that mean still Anthony Johnson Jr. or Jonathan Owens who got a lot of praise from Rich, or not, Joe Barry, not Rich Pissachia. Um, we'll, we'll certainly have to see. That over-under seems also a little low. Now, I wouldn't recommend triple betting. I wouldn't recommend having the spread, the money line, and the over-under pick two uh, if you're gonna like double up. But I, I will say if you know, you're know you more of a over-under guy, I, I feel like 40, you buy the point to get down to 42, I feel like six touchdowns are happening in this game. I, I don't see it to be this low-scoring slog. Um, I, I think it will be, you know, somewhere in. I could definitely see a twenty-three twenty sort of outcome, right? Which you would you would cover that. I, I don't exactly see this one going under. Uh, I think there'll be there'll be points, um, and it, it should be an exciting game, man. And I I think if I had to rank the things I'd be the most shocked about. I'd say most shocked would be a Packer blowout. I I still think, if they beat the Chiefs by double digits, I think that would be crazy. But I also think if the Chiefs won by double digits, I'd be a little surprised, honestly. I, I think it would be a step back, even though Packer, it's a house money game. I still would be sort of surprised by that. And then Chiefs close game, I think is kind of what I expect, like in my brain. And then in my heart, it's the Packers winning a close game. So. Those are you know the the kind of intended outcomes. And what does Jordan Love do? You know, with seeing the Spagnola defense again, and can Jordan Love continue to follow up on what we saw on Thanksgiving? And then we'll have the Packers and Giants, and will Aaron Rodgers show up to MetLife? Which that will be a topic next week. Just I'm going to get out ahead on that. There we're going to have an Aaron. Will Aaron Rodgers show up at MetLife? Conversation. Um, I I think that's certainly on the table. Uh, So so stay tuned for that. Because uh, I, I think it's, I think it's, there, there's a, like I have no knowledge of this. I just, I, I can certainly see it happening because the guy loves fucking attention. Um, and this whole thing about him playing is is just something else. All right, that does it. Again, i way too late. Um, you guys better listen to this, show love. Uh, appreciate you guys. We'll be back on Monday. Packers, Chiefs recap, Marquette, Wisconsin recap. We'll talk about Bucks, Hawks and jack's trio might be signed i mean they're like at the doorstep um hashtag done deal if you will um so we'll we'll see and we'll probably talk about that so probably a loaded monday show um we'll have it for you so all right guys take care have a good one have a good weekend enjoy marquette wisconsin and if you're out and about at the santa ride i will be there i'll try to I do a fucking shitty job of like tweeting out where i'm at but i if i if i remember i'll tweet or instagram it tab at the keg tab at the keg sports come by swing by hang by let's let's have a beer and uh and chit chat all right all right take care guys have a good one bye